So Luke chapter 6, verse 46, New Living Translation says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That same verse in the message, and we'll add 47 to it. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. Um, I know I've said it probably over 200 times from this pulpit and other pulpits. Um, do yourself a favor, no matter how religious you are. Would you buy yourself or even on your tablet, would you just read the Bible one time in the message? Just one time. Well, Pastor, the, the King James Version, if you want to dis dispute the King James Version, I would be more than happy to after um, service that that is not the only version that God ever blessed. Um, but if you've never read the, read the Bible or the message, I promise you, it will make the Bible come alive and become fun. Just one time, and you go back to reading in, in Braille or whatever you do, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, but just one time, just read it through one time. Um, Pastor, why are you so rough on, on King James? It's because I came out of a place where it wasn't King James, it wasn't of God, which is ridiculous. Um, if it ain't the Dead Sea Scrolls, I mean, we're not reading the Dead Sea Scrolls, people. Um, so just read something. Why don't I want you to read a different translation? Because maybe you've read over something so many times, you're not getting anything out of it. But if someone words it a different way, um, maybe it'll change your life. Let's pray. We got to talk about moving from fans to followers. Jesus, we love you. God, we give you honor. We give you praise. We give you all the glory. There is none like you in all the earth. God, we're thankful for those that are here, those that are, are watching online. God, thank you for the opportunity to come into this place and lift our voice and our hands and our heart to heaven. Thank you, God, that we have freedom, freedom to worship you, freedom to, to love you openly. And God, we ask today, don't give us something, Lord, just to soothe our conscience. Just so we can check off, yes, today was another Sunday we went to church, but God, talk to us. Move us from merely admirers to those that actually obey. God, help us as we take the journey from fan to follower. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Society likes to portray Jesus as this passive, gentle, and even soft man. Yet the truth is he was controversial, confrontational, and had a tendency to ask people tough questions. But we prefer the nice, polite, appropriate Jesus. However, Jesus asked some questions that were knee-bucklers. Jesus would look at Pharisees and tax collectors and his own disciples right square in the eyes and pose questions to them that would cause their blood from the go from their toes to shoot up to their necks and cheeks and cause them to look away and duck their heads. We like to read these same questions that if they're only for the folks that actually receive them in the Bible, but perhaps we should start to read them with our name in red. These questions that Jesus posed are questions that should invoke the same response in us. These questions should cause us to blush, but more importantly, should cause us to change. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? 
What an embarrassing question. Jesus isn't talking to non-believers. He isn't talking to the vilest of sinners. He isn't dialoguing with, uh, with destitutes, drunkards, drug pushers. No, he's talking to his chosen 12 and the crowds who were following him. In chapter after witnessing a boat swamping catch of fish, a man lowering through a roof to be healed. And in the same passage, they were witnessed, they witnessed Jesus heal the man with the withered hand, and he turns and verbally slaps his followers in the face. You have seen the power, you witnessed the supernatural for yourself, you have verbalized that I am Lord, and yet you still do not do what I say. Awkward. Looking down, look at the feet moment. We should feel bad for these disciples. When I read this, I feel bad for them. We should duck our heads in shame for them. We should feel the burn of a blush, but for us. The disciples had only a few days or weeks of experience with Jesus. So before you think you're off the hook, because Matt, Matt looked at me before service and said, Pastor, you are very tranquil, which is usually not an adjective that people use for me. Uh, it's because I, I want to take you off the hook. How am I going to do this? The reason I need to be calm is because you're going to think I'm angry, so I need to just relax a little bit. So the disciples only had a few days or weeks of experience with Jesus. They only had a few moments of proof. They haven't yet had, you know, walked through the feeding of the 5,000. They haven't experienced the transfiguration or the healing of the blind men, the healing of the lepers, or the, ultimately the resurrection. So we got to cut them some slack. But what about us? We have the luxury of reading the account of all those miracles and more. We should be able to entertain this same question and never flinch. And yet I wonder when asked the same question, if we too shouldn't blush. Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Um, so fans, let's talk about fans. The dictionary defines a fan as an enthusiastic admirer. Fans are good, aren't they? Sure they are. We're fans of certain people and enthusiastic admirers. Everybody wants fans. Everybody wants other people to admire them. It's not that being a fan is bad, but it's, it's not what Jesus wants. It's not enough. It falls short. You can admire Jesus even enthusiastically and still not follow him. Fans are fine, but fans won't change the world. See, fans listen and followers, they obey. A don't, don't worry about them kids. I got the microphone. I'll talk over them. But see, a child can listen to their parents and not obey them. How many of us listen to Christ but fail to obey him and do what he actually says for us to do? See, we have taken, we have overtaken, or been overtaken by the plague of disobedience. We want to announce him as Lord, and yet our lack of obedience dethrones him. So my question is, and don't answer out loud because you know how church people are, are you doing what he says? See, we want to take his words to be mere suggestions rather than commandments. See, Jesus had already taught his followers many things. In fact, the crimson question immediately follows what, uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He informs them exactly how they should live and recognizes that his followers weren't living out what he was saying. So has anything changed since the Sermon on the Mount? In the Sermon on the Mount and in other teaching, he says to forgive, but we seek revenge. He says to let go of grudges, but we harbor feelings for decades. He says to turn the other cheek, but we go for the jugular. He says to love our enemies, we talk bad about them on social media instead. He says to gather together for strength, uh, and we like the lake. He says to serve, but we are selfish. He says that we should practice humility, and we strut and prance as if we are the center of the universe. He says to take care of those who are in need, but we buy another pair of shoes or a new phone. 
He says to tithe and we tip. He says to honor authority and we want our rights. He says honor parents and we say we're grown. He says obey and we negotiate. Has any, thank you, I just wanted one amen. Good Lord, I gave you 12 bullet points and you know, what amen. We could be guilty of being very, very good fans, but very terrible followers. We could come to church every Sunday, and we can know the lingo and know the clap on beat. Well, most of us, if you can't clap on beat, just go faster. Uh, and we can sing the songs, and we can raise our hands. We say, hey, brother, hey, sister. That's fan lingo. But are we really followers? See, because fans listen, followers obey. Why is it that some of us have called him Lord for years and still don't do the thing or things that he said to do? We want to remove what we don't like and what is hard. Even some people try to find a church that only teaches the part that they already you know, want to do and fails to challenge them to do the difficult, painful, and sacrificial. Some of us are no more obedient now than we were on the very first day of our relationship with Jesus. Relationship. How many of you guys know what a, um, a DTR is? It's not a motorbike. Sooner or later, every couple who is romantically interested in each other has to have a DTR, a define the relationship moment. It's the official talk that happens at some point in the romantic relationship to define the level of commitment. Are we just dating? Are we exclusive? What are we? I think Jesus wants to have a DTR with us today. Imagine sitting in the coffee shop with Jesus, and you know it's, you know it's Jesus uh, undoubtedly, and he sits down and says, it's time to define a relationship. He wants to know how you feel about him. Is the relationship exclusive? Is it just casual weekend thing? You know, just on Sundays and stuff. Or has it moved beyond that? What exactly is the level of commitment? Are you a follower of Jesus? We got to have the define the relationship moment. Because I, I hate to break it to you. I, hope you. I hope you already know this, but if I'm the person to break it to you, let me break it to you softly. You don't get credit for coming to a building. He didn't say, everybody go to a building on Sunday and they'll know you're my disciples. No, they said, we need to love one another. How are we doing on that? And so we, we don't get credit for putting our church best on and combing your hair just right and you got all that crazy stuff that, oh, you know, a, a cyclone couldn't mess up your hair. Do that. Well, I'm glad for all that. But he didn't say come to a building and smell nice and look nice and dress nice and, and try not to use profanity. He didn't say that. He says, follow me. He didn't say be an admirer of me. See, Lord isn't supposed to be his name or a term of endearment. Lord is supposed to be his position in life. So if you don't like the word Lord, try boss, jefe, head honcho, commander in chief, call him whatever you want to. But if you call Lord like it's his first name, no, no, no. It's supposed to be his position in our life. Our face should be blushed. Our heart should be changed. So my question is, is are we giving him lip service or a life of service? Too many of us give lip service to Jesus, but not a life of service. See, lordship isn't revealed by our lips. It's revealed by our life. I've said it before, but if you couldn't talk and you couldn't tell anybody you were a Christian, could they tell by the way you live? It, are we giving lip service? I'm using we because I don't want y'all to think I'm attacking folks. You know I'm saying you. I'm saying we. Are we guilty of lip service instead of a life of service? See, lip service is common, but obedience is not. 
Knowing the right words and be able to fit in just because you know the lingo and the phrasing doesn't equate to being a true follower. You can fool people with your talk, but you can't fool anyone by the way you walk. See, I can fool you with the way I talk, but if you examine my life, if you put my life on mute and watch my life, it should tell you that I'm a follower. I shouldn't have to say anything. It is increasingly common for us to want to live under his blessings, but separate from his commands. And so we, we have a church that wants to be blessed of God, but they don't want to be obedient to him. People that want to have the benefits and the blessings, but they don't want to obey his commands. That was the flaw of the Pharisees. They could talk about God, they just didn't know God. And before you dog the Pharisees, they would beat every one of us on a scripture quoting contest. They would beat every one of us on how many rules you can keep contest. And in all, in 2021, they would be the most holy people you know, and Jesus couldn't stand them. Because it was all about, it was all about being a fan and not a follower. It was all about trying to live under his blessings, but separate from his commands. Jesus addressed his living followers in Matthew 5, 8. This people draweth nigh. Ooh, look, I, I get some King James for all y'all. Draweth, <laughs> draweth. And the people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How about the, how about the message? I love the message. Frauds, Isaiah's prophecy of, of you hit the bullseye. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy. So real talk is validated by real walk. If our walk doesn't match his talk, then we're acting as fans and not followers. It's an embarrassing thought to me that we could attend faithfully, worship passionately, speak religiously, and yet discover that Jesus is only Lord lip deep. How are we doing? Y'all quiet. Y'all good? Facebook, say something. Just say ouch for everybody in here because they didn't want to talk to me at all today. Rick, how do I look in the camera? Do I look dignified? Okay, thank you. Jesus says his teaching should be the foundation of our life. But how many of us only serve Jesus at lip level? Just be, don't be honest with me. You can lie to me all you want. Just be honest with yourself. Please don't lie to yourself. If you want to be a liar, just, just, let me put a pause in the message. If you're going to lie to somebody, lie, do not lie to yourself. Um, I am trying the very best. It's my second year to try to not lie. I dare you to do it for a week. Do not lie. Does this taste good? No, it's awful. How does this look? Terrible. <laughs> Just try to be honest for a week and see how it goes. But so if you're going to continue to lie, and I'm sure that you've lied a couple times today, please don't lie to yourself. So if you want to tell me everything's perfect, fine. But my question is, are you serving Jesus at only lip level? Just answer that for yourself. When life gets difficult or things become challenging, do we revert to our old thinking, our old devices, our old solutions, ideas, and conclusions? I'm asking you to fill, um, to fill in these blanks today because I want you to establish Jesus as Lord not just with your lips. I want you to move beyond lip service to a service or a life of service. Move to obedience. So the question is, what has he instructed you to do that you have not done? What has he instructed you to do and you have not done? Maybe it's to honor and you haven't. Fix it this afternoon. Everybody wants to start stuff Monday. Forget Monday. How about now? It's, it's faster to spell now than it is Monday. Maybe it's to forgive and you haven't. Go to that person this afternoon. Pick up the phone. Call them this afternoon. Maybe it's to serve and you haven't volunteered. Volunteer today. Talk to somebody today. Maybe it's to give and you haven't. 
Obey that today. So let me give you three characteristics, and we'll get out of here. Three characteristics of faithful followers. I'm looking at people, I think they want to move beyond fans, so I don't need to convince you anymore that we've been living in the fan level. We've we've dipped into followers, but most of the time, we spend about 75% of our time, we're really good fans. But I'm looking at people that want to move. I'm not telling you you're going to be 100% because 100% follower is is tough. What I'm saying is maybe you've been 25% follower, 75% fan. How about let's try 50-50 and we'll keep moving on the scale. So here's three characteristics of faithful followers. Mark 3, 14 and 15. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and they might send him out to preach and have authority to drive out the demons. Now, if you read this in most churches, it's verse 15. Authority to drive out the demons. Praise God. Demon cast. Slow down for a minute. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. So the very first thing of a faithful follower is be in the presence of Jesus. Well, duh, pastor. No, here. The first thing we're called to do is to spend time with him so that he, they might be with him. Jesus desires his followers to hang out with him. It's very hard. Why? Because I can tell you to be in his presence, but we live in a wor- world of do. Jesus wants us to be. We want to do stuff. Got to go. Got to get, keep it moving. Got to schedule to keep. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Jesus said, chill. Just be with me. Well, well, God, can you hurry it up? I'm trying to do stuff. I got stuff to do. I can't be with you because I got stuff to do. In a world full of doing and doing and doing, it's very hard to just be in his presence. If you want to be a faithful follower, you need to be in his presence, which means you need to make time for him in probably a little bit more than an hour and 25 minutes on Sunday. Thank you. Just need one, just one. It comes from, sister, you're going to get the amen award. That's all I need. Sister Lauren, just amen. Just wave from the back. Amen. It, just, it, it sounds really faint up here, but I know who's saying it. And I just keep on going. All I need is a mm, out, amen, any kind of something that comes out of your mouth is fine with me. When we're with him, we learn how he loves and how he handles people and what his priorities are. When we're with him, you can't just read about him. You actually have to be with him. He says he chose 12 that they may be with him and, oh, yeah, and that they might be able to preach too. Jesus' biggest thing with the 12 is that you need to be with me. If you're going to represent me, you need to spend time with me. This is the essence of Jesus' training program. There's no huge manuals full of rules and regulations. He's all about us living in relationship with him. So let's ponder something that's both simple and startling. You are as close to Jesus as you want to be. It's simple because it makes sense, but it's startling because sometimes we think there's something keeping us from being close to Jesus. But we are as close to him as we want to be. I got plenty of notes. I just wanted to seek in. We are as close to him as we want to be. I just don't have a good relationship with Jesus. That's right where you want to be. Well, I just, I just wish, I just wish, you know, I just wish my relationship was deeper or more or whatever it is. It's, you are as close to him as you want to be. He's waiting on us. See, you and I must take responsibility for growing our relationship with Jesus. We said it before, but it bears repeating. You won't grow in discipleship without practicing disciplines because spiritual growth is not automatic. It's intentional. 
You've heard it said by old time preachers for so long. It's you could be in the church for 20 years. You can be in the church for one year, 20 times or whatever it is. And so you, you don't get credit for time in seat. You know, I, I've been in this chair for 18 years, bless God. Well, praise God for your 18 years, but you don't grow in discipleship um, without practicing the disciplines, Bible reading, prayer, fasting, witnessing, all of those things because spiritual growth is intentional. It's not automatic. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. What is he saying? He says, if you're lazy and don't do anything, you will get nothing, but this person that's diligent will be richly supplied. Can I encourage you today to go deeper in your walk with God? You just need to be. What do I got to do, pastor? What do I got to read? As soon as I talk about getting closer, how many, how many hours should I pray? How many Bible verses should I read? I don't care. Just be with him. Because reading is fine. You can read and be a fan. You can read for 30 minutes, but try just being in his presence for 30 minutes. Just try that. See, spend time with him in prayer and reading his word every day. And take control of it. Make it a priority. You all have been on the connect call at 8 o'clock. I know it's supposed to go to 8 to 8.15, but you mess up my Bible reading time. I love y'all. But 8 o'clock, my alarm sounds. Me and little man, we have a date. We're going to read our three chapters no matter what goes on. So now I'm going to have to read before the connect call because we get off at 8.15. And, you know, like 30 seconds before kids go to bed, they get hungry. You know how to, does that work for your children too? Yes. So 30 seconds before bedtime, they're hungry. They got to go to the bathroom. They got to do all this and so we can miss it. But you need to make your, you need to, how many times you get up late for work this week? Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. We don't even go to work. We just do it on Zoom, Pastor. Well, other folks go to work, and I am not late because it's important. You need to guard your time with God just like it is if you're going to to work or you have an appointment with somebody important. So at 8 o'clock, I don't care what video games they're playing. Parents, I don't know why I'm telling you this now, but I just want to remind you, you are in charge. When 8 o'clock comes, I don't care what game's playing. I don't care if he's playing with Peter, James, and John in the spirit on Xbox. It's off. It's time to read. But now we make it fun. We don't make it terrible. So we jump into bed. We got all these covers on, and we got this tablet now that reads to us. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing tonight. But guard that time. So my question is, what is your plan to be in the presence of Jesus and to practice his presence throughout the day? What is your plan? I don't have one. Then congratulations, nothing's going to happen. You need to have a plan. Listen, when you spend time in the presence of Jesus, people will notice. Acts 4, 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that it had been with Jesus. What they said wasn't impressive. Their accent, their grammar wasn't impressive. Their clothes weren't impressive, but it was undoubtable that they were in the presence of Jesus. Can the same be said for us? Just questions, just questions. How about number two? Go and proclaim Jesus. First, we're to come to be with Jesus, and second, we're to go with the gospel to others. We must be in the presence of Jesus, and then we must go and proclaim him. Look at the next part of that that verse. I know it's not up here. It says, Jesus chose the 12 that they may be with him, and that they, and that he might send them out to preach. The word send them out, make up the root word for apostle, sent one. You know what, it was cool. I read, I read the mission. It was of one church, and one church that challenges their members to live sent. I like that. 
So all the members of the church, we want you to live sent. That's what we're trying to do by keeping our go value in front of everybody. We gather, we grow, and we give so that we can go with the gospel. Remember our whole thing, gather, grow, go? The word preach means to act as a herald to sound forth the message of a king. It doesn't mean the guy with the microphone. To preach means to act as a herald to sound forth the message of a king. So here's four ways. How am I doing time? There's four ways that we can respond to an increasingly evil, evil world. Are you ready? Number one is isolate. At times, church history of the world was so wicked that some believers retreated to monasteries. So you can isolate or you can insulate. It's not easy to isolate, so some people choose to insulate themselves from the problems and pain of those who don't know Christ. These people, these people spend most of their time with other Christians, and when they do have conversations about lost folks or unchurched people, it's usually often judgmental. We have to stop thinking us versus them and move towards us for them. So you can either isolate, insulate, or imitate. Sadly, this is where the majority of believers end up. When we don't spend time with Jesus, we can end up blending in with those that don't know him. The person just wants to fit in and ends up caving the culture. And the last one is we can infiltrate. This is the heart of Jesus. We must break down the barriers and build bridges of those who don't yet know Christ by proclaiming the gospel to those who are lost. This is why people are uncomfortable. Research has shown that only 25% of churchgoers have shared their faith once or twice over the last six months. The church can claim to be evangelistic people, a church all mission, but the behavior betrays their belief. The facts are in, and it's clear the church has a behavior problem that's fueled by a belief problem. So first, we've got to be in the presence of Jesus. Second, go and proclaim Jesus. That leads to the third element of the strategy, and that's use the power of Jesus. So if we're going to be a follower and not a fan, we have to be in his presence. Amen. We have to be in his presence. We have to proclaim him, and then we have to use his power. When proclaiming the gospel, it's critical to not only do so in your own strength and abilities, as stated in verse 15, and have authority to cast out demons. The word authority has the idea of having delegated authority, permission to use power. I'm reminded of Acts 1 and 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uh, most parts of the earth, or to the end of the earth. Um, this is important. So I could be with him. I can proclaim his message, but I need to use his power. Why do you think we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit all the time? Is it essential for salvation? Yes, but it's also there is power that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was certainly evident in the early churches, seen in Acts 4.33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I'm not telling you to go jump on top of the little movie, what the, the moving, what is that thing called? The little conveyor belt at Walmart or Food Line and start double palming people's foreheads. I'm not telling you that. What I'm saying is it says that the apostles but with great power witnessed. You have to let what's inside of you come out. We're so shy because we, we've, we've probably been imitating or we've been isolating or insulating, but we haven't been infiltrating. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because it'd be another message altogether. But my question is, are we seeing this kind of power today? With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great grace was upon them all. Does if we were going to write up our week, would we use that? How would you define your week, Acts 4.33? Said almost nobody. If we're going to move from fans to followers, 
We have to be in his presence. We have to proclaim his message. And we have to use his power. So it's, if we're not seeing this kind of power later, there must be some short circuit somewhere. And so I ask you a blessing question as you stand with me today. Why do you call him Lord and still not do what he says? I'll give you a few more things to think about while Todd comes. If you're not 100% convinced whether you're a fan or a follower, fans are in it for them, followers are in it for God. Fans want the goodies, followers want Jesus. Fans come and go and followers stay. Maybe that's why Jesus wasn't impressed by crowds. He preached the greatest message ever recorded, a Sermon on the Mount. And the crowd stayed. Read, 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 read the Sermon on the Mount. When the crowds came, Jesus went up. Not everybody went up with him. Preached the greatest message ever to probably the smallest congregation. Fans are fickle. Followers are faithful. Fans are sort of in and followers are all in. See, the crowds followed Jesus around for a day or two and went back to their lives. But when Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew, it says they left everything and followed him. They were all in, wholehearted. The whole love the Lord your God with all your heart. See, there's no such thing as a sort of follower of Jesus. A sort of follower of Jesus, you know what that's called? A fan. I don't know about you. But there's some days I move into the fan territory. Some days I move into the follower territory. I'm not saying it's bad. What I'm saying is we need to take notice of it. Jesus didn't call us to be admirers of him and cheer him along. He said, follow me, not admire me while you do nothing. So as we end, this is it, this is it. And we're going to move into a whole different series next week. My question is, are we going to be content to be a church of fans? Or are you going to say, you know what, pastor, this year I'm moving from fan to follower. I'm not treating Jesus' commands as suggestions. I'm not calling him Lord like that was his first name. I'm letting him be the Lord of my life. So as Todd sings, what do you say? Can we make that move? Can we make that shift from fan to follower?